Violent Determination. That's my sermon title this morning. The series is called Planning for Success. Planning for Success. And three weeks ago, I started uh, and I preached a message, The Ability to Hear. The sermon title was Draw Me. I spoke from the Songs of Solomon, and the young bride-to-be says to her, her lover, her groom-to-be, draw me, draw me, let me know you want me. Give me that little assurance. Give me that, come on, come hither. <laughs> you all, don't look at me like that. You all know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you're past your teenage years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I will run after you. Draw me. And I made the comment to be successful as Christians. The greatest success comes first from being spiritually successful. And we need to be able to hear. If God draws us and we don't hear, sometimes he's calling us to pray. Sometimes he's calling us to fast. Sometimes he's calling us to feast. Oh, we hear when he tells us to feast. But sometimes he calls us to have quiet time with him. And don't you know that when he calls us to have quiet time with him, our friends call us on the cell phone. There's a movie. We're going to dinner. Come hang out. We're going to go go-kart racing. For every call of God, for every movement of the Spirit of God, there's a counter-movement. Study physics. The laws of the natural parallel the spirit. And so the first step to success is the ability to hear in the spirit. So that when he draws us, we will hear. The second step to success in the spirit, which will affect our natural lives, is the commitment to action. And the Shulamite woman in the Song of Solomon says, draw me. And I will run after you. God calls. We need to hear, but then we need to be committed to action. I will run after you. David said in the Psalms, and I read it to you last week. Uh, you can go back and listen to the, light, the broadcast. But uh, David said, <clears throat> it is good for me to run after the Lord. Don't wait for God to stir you up, crank you up, get you started. Look at your before and after picture. Look at who you were outside of Christ and who you are in Christ. Just read a couple of pages of the New Testament, and that's enough motivation for us to say, you know what, God's done so much for me, I don't have to wait for him to even call me. I'm going to draw him to me. Amen. Breath, air comes to the one who will suck it in. And when we set our hearts to be alone with God, the breath of the Spirit will come because we're sucking it in. Amen. If you have ears to hear, say amen. amen. So first you have the ability to hear. In the spirit, secondly, commitment to action, and today, a violent determination. 
Matthew chapter 11, verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, this is John the Baptist. So tell me, guys, when you went out to the wilderness, what did you expect to see? A reed shaken by the wind? He goes on and he says in verse 13. Verse 13. He goes on to say in verse 13. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yeah, I say to you more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Let's talk about John the Baptist for a moment. Tell them I'll come later. I'm busy now. Let's talk about John the Baptist. Isn't it interesting that before what Isaiah prophesied about the coming of their God, before God could come and show himself, he raised up a man to prepare the way. John the Baptist was given the urgent responsibility to prepare the spiritual climate of a nation. This was a one-man band. The church that was supposed to be the church was steeped in orthodoxy. It was steeped in tradition. It was steeped in hypocrisy. It was steeped in form and ritual. It had all the evidence of holiness, but it lacked the power. It was religious. It was institutional. That's why I can't stand when I say I can't stand. I don't advocate religion. If you come to Grace and Faith Church for the rest of your life and never enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, this has benefited you very little. This church cannot save you. This church isn't the answer. But I know the one who is the answer. I know the one who could turn your life right side up. I know the one who can turn you inside out and turn you around and get you straight again. There is power in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said to them, what did you go into the desert looking for? A reed, someone who had no backbone? Someone who would mealy mouth and say anything just to please everyone so he can garner a crowd? John the Baptist, this is what Isaiah the prophet spoke about the one who would come. He said, mountains will be made low and valleys will be brought up high. And he will prepare the way. What did John the Baptist do? He preached in such a way, he challenged everybody. 
He had challenged the establishment. He challenged those that were uh, in high position. He challenged the arrogant. He challenged the proud. He challenged the poor. He challenged everyone. He says we have one common denominator, and that's sin. And we need to get our attitudes right. We need to get our heart right. And we need to cry out to God and we need to repent. And in our baptism of repentance, we need to produce the fruit of repentance. John the Baptist said that. What we rarely understand was that Jesus didn't need someone to announce his coming He needed someone to prepare the spiritual atmosphere for his coming. John the Baptist was the greatest revivalist of all. Amazingly, he never raised anyone from the dead. There is no record that he ever opened a blind eye or deaf ear. And yet Jesus makes the statement in this chapter 11. He says that there never was anyone greater than John the Baptist. Elijah and Elijah and Elisha did miracles, signs and wonders. We don't have that record of John the Baptist, but I'll tell you what John the Baptist did do. He spent most of his time in the wilderness. The wilderness is where you go and you separate yourself from the joy and the jolly of everyday living, the self-diversion, and he went to a place of separation and he became a man of prayer and a man of the Spirit. He was so much a man of the Spirit that while he was still in his mother's womb, Elizabeth, Mary comes to visit Elizabeth And John the Baptist leaps in his mother's womb at the presence of Yeshua the Messiah. He lived in the wilderness because he didn't want to be tainted by the world. Ironically, Jesus often went away to a place of solitude and got away from the crowds. And he spent time recharging with God. I tell you, church, we're in the middle of birth pains. And whether it's tomorrow or another 30 years, you need to recognize the season and the times. There's a story in the Old Testament when David was ousted by uh, his own son, Absalom. Uh, sorry, Saul was trying to kill him. And um, David was running Then at Saul's final demise, men started gathering around David. And of all the trained archers and swordsmen and spearmen, uh, and it lists all the different tribes and what their strengths were. There's a tribe listed. And you know what their military might was? Their expertise? It said, they understood the times. Discernment is a powerful thing. And we need to be discerning people. We need to understand the times that we're living in. We want to go to church and have a fun time. And so do I. I want to go to church and worship. I want to go to church and get a checkup and get revved up and get stirred up. But we do all of that for a purpose. And that is so that we can blow up the kingdom of darkness. 
We get stirred up in the Holy Ghost. We get checked up in the Holy Ghost so that we can flex our might in the Holy Ghost and command the heavens. I'm glad my name is written in the book of life. But I also want my name to be known in the hallways of hell. Jesus said, uh, that's not vain. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be known as sons of God. You know who's, you know who's going to know the peacemakers as sons of God? The troublemakers. And Paul said, we don't, fight, we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight principalities. See, demons go around making trouble. And when you're constantly putting their trouble out with grace, when you're constantly putting their trouble out with forgiveness... When you're constantly putting their trouble out with understanding and words of reconciliation, it's called spiritual warfare. You see, the kindness of God is a thunderous knock in the head to the enemy. Even the weak things of God are like a tsunami in hell. Don't let the enemy disproportionate the truth. The truth is... That even God's gentleness is far greater than all the amassing hordes of demons bent on hell and destruction. And so when we show kindness, when we show grace, when we show understanding, we've just disarmed demons. The, The love of God is more powerful than the fury of hell. Now when you understand that, and then you do stand up and start to grunt in prayer, and you do flex your muscles, and you do raise your tone a bit, and you do become insistent, how much more, even more powerful? You see, as much power will emanate out of you as what you believe. The fullness of God is in Christ, and the fullness of Christ is in you. But if you only give them a pinhole to come out of through your faith, then that's all that's going to come out is a pinhole. If your faith says, well, I'm nobody, I'm nothing, you have just lied against the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost inspired those writers to say, you're a new creation. The world's never seen anyone like you before. We lie against the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost inspired Paul to say, you're seated in heavenly places. You might be at 12749 West Hillsborough Avenue, Tampa, in Grace and Faith Church. But sweetie, you are a ruler in the heavenly realms with one Christ Jesus. What do you believe can come out of you? Your faith might say, I'm a nobody, and all you have is a little pinprick coming out of the mask that makes you look like just an ordinary son of Adam. But when you believe you are who he says you are, and the power of God will come out of your eyes, it'll come out of your mouth, it'll come out of your hands, it'll come out of all of you. Jesus said, what were you looking for when you went to the wilderness to 
look at John. A reed, someone who's going to bend and bow to the pressure of how you should grow a church. Don't get people upset. Listen, if we're going to study church growth from the New Testament, then we need to also take note that Jesus didn't have a problem with talking straight. John the Baptist didn't have a problem with talking straight. Now remember, there's always the flip side. Speak the truth in love. And show the grace that God has shown you. But speak the truth. Don't speak a compromised version. Don't speak it with condemnation. Don't speak it with hate. Don't speak it with judgment. Who are we to judge? We've been spared judgment. The grace of God's all over me. You might look at me and say, wow, he's a mighty man. I am who I am because God's been very forgiving and very gracious. Hello? So before you start putting me on a pedestal, let me step down. (laughs) I am who I am by the grace of God. I am who I am because of Jesus Christ. But if we're going to talk about who we are in Christ, I know who I am. So I want my name to be known in the hallways of hell. A peacemaker who keeps stopping the trouble of Satan. So Jesus said, who are you looking for in the wilderness? Somebody who is wishy-washy? Somebody who is a reed? He, he bends with public opinion. I don't want to upset people. When I get with God to preach a sermon on Sunday, I don't first get with people in my head to wonder who's going to get upset. You either get with God or you don't get with God. And if you get with God and then you entertain what people are going to think and you go that way, you just voted the opinion of people to be greater than your fear of God. You're looking for someone in good clothes? Soft clothes. He said, I sent a messenger. John the Baptist was in the wilderness praying. Because if he stayed in the city, the lust of the eyes were going to pull him into other things. The frustration of the flesh would have taken him to other places. So he was a man committed to prayer. And I know from Scripture he was a man committed to prayer, uh, fasting, and I can prove that and will if time allows. But Jesus said he was sent to prepare the way. Do you understand that John the Baptist was changing the spiritual climate, not just because people were being baptized in water. People were... repenting of their sin but you know why people repented of their sin because he spent much time in prayer I was amazed when my kids were doing high school here in Florida in Tampa I picked up the history book 
And they said, you know, Dad, our history book talks about a preacher that you mentioned sometimes. And there was maybe only a paragraph, but there was a paragraph about this great preacher called Finney. Our American history books for high school, unless they've recently taken taken it out, actually had a paragraph about Finney. Finney had an intercessor. That's a fancy word for somebody who prays. Who would go into a city a week to two weeks before Finney went there to preach. And this man would rent a room and he would just pray over that city and over those people and cry out, God, save these people. Holy Spirit, convict them of their sin. You see, today, we don't see deep repentance because we try to make people comfortable and okay about their sin. Sin's ugly. It'll mess you up. It'll destroy you. Every bad thing in your life comes back to some root of sin. Every horrendous thing in my life comes back to Foolish, dumb, stupid decisions I've made. Sin, it hurts us. And it hurts other people. And while we don't preach condemnation, we do preach. We got to turn from our bad decisions, the things that don't line up with God's will and God's righteousness. We got to turn from this stuff. So John was in the wilderness battling, fighting, winning over demonic forces. You see, he never saw the miracle. You, we don't read of his miracles of raising the dead, but he did miracles that were unseen. He was pulling down strongholds. He was pulling down principalities. He was dealing with the religious world, so much so that even the Pharisees would go out to the wilderness to find John, and then be baptized in John's baptism. As religious as they were, as pious as they were, as hypocritical as they were, this guy preached with such conviction, they said, you know what? We better just make sure, let's get baptized in John's baptism. There was such an anointing on him. Now, I want to be known as a warm, loving, friendly church, and it's a compliment we constantly garner in this church, and I thank all of you for doing that. You make our guests feel welcomed and warm and inviting, but I also want to be known as a place where people can sense the presence of God. Both are very important. Jesus goes on to say, Assuredly, I tell you, among those born of women, there's not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The principles of heaven are different than on earth. To be the greatest, you become the least. To become the king, you become the servant. Amen. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. Stop. I, I love this verse. I love it, I love it, I love it. Why? Jesus pinpointed revival to a man since the days of John the Baptist. Oh, you can't do that. You can't say that. Yes, I can. Jesus did. He set the precedence, the law of precedence. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been suffering violence. And the violent take it by force. John the Baptist was out there in the wilderness 
(laughs) denying his flesh, denying his soul. Sure, he saw people, caravans of people coming into Jerusalem with their silk garments, their uh, fancy chariots with mag wheels, you know, and some only had one horse and some had eight horses. And, oh, that's a fast chariot. And no doubt, being a human being, he thought, wouldn't it be nice to live in the lap of luxury? You know, I'm a sensible man. I've got a brain. I could go in a business, too. I could probably have all the comfort creatures that Americans have. Well, he was a prophet, so he looked into the future. He saw the comforts you have. But he chose to make sacrifice because he had a more important mission. He was called to prepare the heavens, the atmosphere, so that the Son of God could make his entry. So the same way Finney would send his intercessor in, and Finney had such a reputation that whole cities would get saved. The most hardened Criminals would come running to the pulpit and ask Jesus in their heart. In fact, this is history. During the days of Finney's revivals, there was such a presence of God hovering. He, he would work up and down the northeast coast of the United States of America. There was such a powerful presence that it was recorded in history. Not in the high school book, but in the annals of history, it was recorded. There was such a phenomenon of revival taking place that as immigration ships were coming into New York Harbor, the presence of God would radiate out from New York City. New York City, folks. And immigrants on the ships who didn't know what was happening here in the United States suddenly would start falling to their knees on the deck and start crying out in repentance to God. Ironically, Jesus is coming back. Can I tell you something? Here's John the Baptist, the church. It's to us to prepare the way. We all want a great spiritual revival and an outpouring. But most of us want it because we need to be revived. Are we always going to wait for him to draw us? Or are we going to stand up, grow up, and muscle up and say, I'm going to draw him. God, I'm going to spend time with you. Come. Come on. I want you. I want you, God. I'm hungry. You see, that's the kind of person John the Baptist was. When you read in Matthew chapter 3, you you see that he had a garment of, uh, he had a, a camel skin. That was his clothing, camel skin. Now, today, if you buy a coat made of camel hair, I want you to understand it's very different. The outer fibers, the outer fur of the camel was very, very coarse, so much so that today they even use it still as a backing for carpet. That's how coarse it was. The under layer of the hair was finer, but when they use it in textile today for fancy coats, it's blended with cashmere, it's blended with high-quality wolves. John the Baptist had an itchy, scratchy coat. Camel's hair. 
like rubbing sand from the beach between your thighs. That's how comfortable it was. It says he wore a garment of camel skin and a leather belt. You know why a leather belt? Because it wasn't even seamed together. They cut a hole in the top, poked his head through it, made the flaps overlap, and put a belt there so that you wouldn't see his glory. (laughs) He didn't live in luxury. He deliberately lived in a place where he did not want to entertain what his soul wants or what his flesh wants because he was on a mission. He came to change the spiritual atmosphere of a nation because he knew the Son of Glory was going to manifest. And I tell you today, the earth is groaning and moaning. It is in labor. And the Son of God is getting ready to come again. Are the sons of God preparing the way for Yeshua to come again? I want to see an ongoing outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? John's disciples, when John was in prison, they came to Jesus. I think it's Matthew chapter 4. And uh, I've just left my notes. So if you keep up with me, good for you. And if uh, I've just left the script. But in, I think it was uh, chapter 4. John's disciples came to Jesus and said, Why is it that as disciples of John the Baptist, we fast often? And even the Pharisees fast, but your guys, they don't fast. See, John the Baptist fasted often, and he taught his guys to fast. And you could think and say, oh, see, Jesus was setting the precedence in the New Testament. We don't need to fast. Rubbish. Jesus said, listen, while the bridegroom is with you, you party. So excuse my guys, they're partying. In the same chapter, I believe it's chapter 4, well, uh, Jesus says, to his disciples, they're trying to cast a demon out of a, a young boy that had what we would call epilepsy, okay? And they couldn't cast it out. And Jesus said, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. See, in my religious early days, in my youth, when we were very religious, we thought, oh, there are certain demons that are so big, you've got to actually go on a hunger strike to get them out. That's not what Jesus said. You see, fasting doesn't change God. It doesn't convince God. It's not leverage against God. And fasting doesn't impress the devil. What fasting does is gets me out of the flesh and out of the soul and gets me into a tighter place with the Holy Ghost. You see, when I fast and I separate myself and I'm spending time worshiping and praying, my physical body, I'm denying it. And it's bowing in submission to my spirit as my spirit bows in submission to the Holy Spirit. And when my soul wants to watch my favorite TV program, The Voice or whatever it is, and that's not my favorite. I don't don't even have uh, um, cable or anything like that. So, but, you know, when the soul wants to be entertained, oh, let's go hang out, let's, no. The Spirit of God is calling my spirit. I need to pray. I need to worship. It's called mastery over self. 
so that demons don't have mastery over me. And so when Jesus said this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, what he's saying, it's a life that becomes spiritual. See, here in America, we've got this concept that spiritual is hugging a tree. Or spiritual, oh, they're spiritual, they go to church. Oh, they're spiritual, they read your Bible. Can I shock everybody? Okay, I'm going to do it whether you say yes or not. I'm going to shock everybody. Being spiritual isn't reading your Bible. When the Bible talks about being spiritual, it's not hugging a tree. It's not going to grace and faith. It's not even reading your Bible. When the Bible talks about being spiritual, it means you're living from the realm of your spirit as opposed to the realm of your emotions. When you live out of rejection... You're living out of your emotions. When you live out of anger, when you live out of hate, when you live out of unforgiveness, when you live out of fear, when you live out of worry, you're living from your soul. When we're spiritual, we don't let the emotions control us. There's no knee-jerk reaction. I'm going to get him. He said, what about me? I can't believe he said that I get angry. Being spiritual is being a person who lives from the realm of the spirit and the flesh doesn't control him and the soul doesn't control him. And you see, fasting denies, fasting's not just about food. Fasting is fasting you. You fast your friends, you fast entertainment, you fast social life for, for a short time and you come away to be alone with God. And so fasting makes the flesh and the soul submit to your spirit as your spirit submits to the spirit of God. Amen. And when Jesus said this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, it comes out because people aren't living from their emotions which are pulled by demons. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Jesus said, the prince of this world's coming. He's got nothing in me. He's got no grab handles on me. Recently, I've developed a couple of grab handles. <laughs> they got to go. But Jesus said, they got no grab handles on me. You see, the more we learn to live from the Spirit, there are no grab handles on us. This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. So John's disciples said, why is it we fast, your guys don't? Jesus said, well, they're with the bridegroom right now. We're partying. But Jesus also told his disciples, you need to learn to live a life of fasting. I'm going to close. I don't know where I am in my sermon notes, but look at me. Look at me. This Friday night, we're having a night of worship and intercession. We often have nights of worship. This will be different. It'll be a night of intercession and fasting, uh, uh, intercession and worship. We put it right in the middle of the 21 days to urge and encourage and to stir up. And I'm calling you as a church to come Friday night, 7 o'clock, come to worship and come to pray. We're going to do business with our dad. Listen, a night of worship and prayer is about governmental business. The government of the kingdom of God 
is going to seat in its royal place and it's going to speak into the atmosphere and it will override the governments of men and the government of hell. Praise God. Would you stand with me? Praise God. Can I have my worship team? Could the whole team come? Listen to me, church. Listen to me. I know. We didn't do the announcements. I forgot the offering. I know. First things first. I'll get there. Thank you, though. Thank you. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have a lot of employees who will be in the soul very quickly saying, I need to pay my rent, and I don't blame them. We'll take the offering in a minute. It's not the first priority. The first priority is our Father's business. Amen? Amen. It is important to me as a pastor, as your pastor, as a shepherd, as a watcher, as a seer, it is important for me that we don't just do church. It's important that we become church. Who, who is God going to call on to change things in the spirit world? The government of nations full of lies, duplicity, scheming, ulterior motives. He'd like to call on his church, but sometimes we look a little bit like the governments of nations. I fast not to impress God. I fast not to impress demons. I fast because I need to shake the world off of me. Yes, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. It's not by works and by faith. I've got it all. I start at the finish line. But if I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes my flesh gets enticed to do things that the spirit of Rob Scarallo knows my flesh shouldn't be doing. And if you're honest, you'll say, amen. And sometimes my soul agrees with emotions that my spirit is saying, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. And sometimes I do, but I, I start at the finish line. Now, do I get condemned about this? No. But I want that to decrease. Okay, well, pastor, you need to know who you are. I know who I am in Christ. And I know sometimes I can step out of that and act less than. I want to, by the Holy Ghost, here, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is called self-control. Not Holy Spirit controlling you. Come here, raise this hand, lift this hand, clap. No, self-control. He gave us the power of choice. That's why it's called self-control. And I choose to control and master who I am so that I live from my spirit in submission to the Holy Spirit of God. This is not about works. Don't let the over-abuse of grace pervert your, your thinking. 
I'm not preaching works. Milk for babies, meat for grown-ups. And this is about meat. I know the grace of God covers me. I don't wake up every day, oh my God, I sinned yesterday, I better get saved again. No, I'm, I'm beyond that now. Understand, I, I walk under grace. I live in the righteousness of God. I don't have to perform. But because of what I've received by faith, I want to step up. I want to be all that he made me to be. Man, I want to, help me, Malcolm, I want to step into. Come on now. Yeah, let's do it this way. Come here. Come on, horsey, take me, take me. I want to step into everything I can be in Christ. It's not about works. Hear me, because I don't want the devil to pee in your ear and lie to you. Listen to me. Don't negate what I'm preaching. The devil will try to tell you, oh, that sounds like works. No. He made me able, and he gave me the ability to work. Now this body is going to function and work for the kingdom of God. And the only way it'll function and work for the kingdom of God is if I keep divine order in my life. Spirit first. Spirit first. And then a soul and a physical body in submission to the spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. Join us Friday night. It's not just a night of worship. It's a night of intercession. We're on 21 days of prayer and fasting. Your nation needs us to do this. And the kingdom of God needs us to do this. And the world, not just unsaved Americans, the world, people groups your soul may not like, people whose ideologies are vastly different than us, people whose religions are conflicting to our viewpoint. The world is lost just like we were, and they need the sons of God to rise up and be the sons of God. Heaven hears us, and the kingdom of God flows through us. Why waste that by just going to church when we can be the church that the gates of hell cannot stand up against? I want to thank you for those that have been praying and fasting. Whether just certain types of foods or home meals, whatever you've done, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's continue to run this race. Let's be encouraged. Because the Spirit of God is moving. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Every eye closed. I know this was a sermon predominantly to Christians. But I want to tell you, if you've never surrendered to Jesus... You're missing out on the best part of life. 
Because when you get reconnected with God the Father, that's when you really start to live. Without Him, our lives are filled with sin and shame. But with Him, our lives are forgiven and made new, and we're given destiny and royal purpose. If you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, but something is, you feel weird, something's stirring you, something's urging you. Maybe you feel like breaking down and crying. Maybe you feel like putting your hand up. Maybe you just feel like you need to do something. That's the Spirit of God calling. He's drawing. If you're not absolutely convinced that you're born again, that your name is written in the book of life, your sins are forgiven, and Jesus is your Lord, if you're not convinced of that, raise your hand right now. Come on. Raise your hand. Say, I want Jesus. Come on. Don't be shy. Come on, put your hand up and say, I need that. Thank you. God bless you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I see that hand. There you go. People are being honest. I appreciate it. That's awesome. We had, a, we had a memorial service yesterday for one of our beloved who went to be with Jesus. And uh, at least two, maybe three people asked Jesus in their heart. When's the day of salvation? Today is the day of salvation. So who else? Eyes closed. Who else? Put your hand up. Come on. Church, would you do this? I want you to be respectful. I want you to be gentle. Never be pushy or arrogant. Soft, gentle. Would you turn to someone, even if you know them, and ask them, do you know Jesus I, this is what I would love. This is what I want. Stop before you go. Just wait one moment, one moment. I want to pray for everyone who wants to have an encounter with Jesus. So offer the person, if they say they'd like to know Jesus, offer to bring them down here. You come with them. I want to pray with you. I want to tell you some important things. So do that right now. Turn to the person next to you. Ask them if they know Jesus. And those of you who raised your hand, come on, don't be shy. Come on. I challenge you. Come on. Come on. I'm a man. Come mano a mano. Come. Let's do business with the King of Kings. If you'd like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Okay. There you go. There you go. Good girl. Don't be shy. There you go. See? You're, you're coming. Encourage someone else to come. Come on. Don't let fear stop you. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's the best thing you can do. There you go. Come on. Come on. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. You know why they're cheering? Because we've all been there. Something inside of us says, oh no, people are going to think, oh, what's he been? We've all been up to something. And we all had to come to Jesus. This is the greatest thing. Look, look, look at their reaction. That's genuine. That's genuine, dude. Come on. It's genuine, dude. 
I don't care where you've been. I'm not going to hold that against you. I know where I've been. That's why they're all cheering the way they're cheering because they know where they've been. It's not about condemnation or guilt or shame. This is about we need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Don't be afraid. I know. God showed me that. That's okay. He loves you. What's your name? Nina. Nina. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Are you afraid of death? No. No? Good. You afraid of me? No. I look... I look funny, don't I? This guy's been yelling, jumping on chairs. He straddled the guy's back, riding him like a horse. I'd be afraid of me. Every Sunday morning, I'm afraid. What are you going to do today, Rob Scarallo? You know that one of the most common things said in the Word of God is this. Fear not. I had a huge problem with fear. I had a huge problem. I'm the opposite of what I used to be. Fear, inferiority, and rejection used to control my life. And I got set free. But God loves you. He loves you, sweetheart. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Father. I break the power of the spirit of fear right now. Devil, you're a liar. Why do you harass this woman? Well, I know why you do. You're a creep. Devil, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Fear, I command you to let her go. Uh, today, we begin the process, immediate process of dismantling your power over her thoughts and her mind and her emotions. And the memories from yesteryear, God, we just allow your healing power to come into the deep-rooted Memories, conscious and unconscious, subconscious, in Jesus' name. Praise God. I just wait a moment. Good day, sir. How are you? Good. I saw you last week. I saw you raise your hand. I knew you'd come back. Yeah. I'm glad you're up the front. Good man. I want everyone. Yep. Give them all a big round of applause. Proud of you, young man. For a white guy, am I okay? <laughs> Listen, God made us all shapes, all colors, all cultures. I hate all that nonsense about pride and prejudice and all that stupidity. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Amen. I want everyone to pray this prayer, especially those of you that have come out to ask Jesus in your heart. I'm not going to trick you, so I'm going to tell you what we're going to pray. How's that? Okay? And if you don't like what we're going to pray, you can stand there and say nothing or go sit down. Okay? I, I, I'm not out to trick anybody. This thing is so real, I'll let you do a double test right now. <laughs> you can say no. So we're going to say something like, God, no, no, I'm going to tell you first. All right, that's okay. See how keen they are? So we're going to say something like, hey, God, I, I, I believe you love me. I feel something. I sense something. 
Jesus, I believe you died for me. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I've done wrong, and I'm sorry. I need you in my life, and I'm asking you to take control of my life. And pretty much, that's what we're going to pray. Are you good to pray that? Is that what you want? Okay, I'm not here to missell anybody. I don't want to give you something you didn't come to buy. Are you happy to pray that? Good girl. You happy to pray that? I'm going to ask everyone to pray it. And if you didn't raise your hand but wanted to, you can pray it right now. Everyone repeat after me. Dear God, I need you. And I really get the sense that you love me. I need you to love me. Thank you for loving me. Jesus Christ, I believe you are God. And you died on the cross for me. Jesus, I've made mistakes. I've sinned. Forgive me. But more than that, come live inside of me. I need you, Jesus, to live inside of me. I thank you. You hear my prayer. I receive you, Jesus, today as my Lord and Savior. I thank you. You're forgiving me of all my sins. And you're living inside me. And you're going to help me to live. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, Father, I thank you for these people, these folk. I don't know them all by name yet, but I thank you. They are so important to you. I thank you. And I come against the forces of darkness that have had control and influence over their lives the same way those forces had control over me. And in Jesus' name, I take the power you've given me and I break every force of darkness off of them. And by the blood of Jesus that washes them and forgives them, I declare to the powers of darkness, they are not yours. You don't have power over them. I forbid you to bully them in Jesus' name. I break your sphere of influence over their lives. Today they are children of God. Today they are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Today I release the Spirit of God inside of them to fill them with God's presence and God's love and God's concern. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, 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 Amen. amen.